Hello, and welcome to the Advisor Analyst Podcast. This is episode number one. We're so happy that you could join us here today. My name is Pierre Daly. I'm the managing editor of advisoranalyst.com. We started this podcast as a matter of, really, as a matter of keeping you up to date in another way, in a way, you know, where, you know, you can tune in whenever you're heading home or uh, at night or whenever you just want to uh, get an update. We're going to do this on a weekly basis. We're going to talk about investing, about the markets, about commentary, about things that are happening. Uh, mainly, we're going to try to share as much insight as we can, but also we're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about business building ideas as well, and just about anything else that we can think of that would be useful. We'll also do interviews with uh, thought leaders from the industry. Anyways, here we are. Welcome. This is the first podcast of the advisoranalyst.com podcast. And again, I'm really happy that you're able to join us. First off, let's talk about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's annual letter this year praised Jack Bogle, praised him as his hero for promoting index investing. The irony, at least over the last 10 years, is that investors would have been better off buying Berkshire Hathaway shares. Over the last 10 years, Berkshire stock is up 139%, while the S&P 500 is up 71%. The real question is, the real question is why Buffett doesn't just tout his own stock rather than promote index investing. He tries to explain himself in his new, in his uh, letter to investors. Charlie and I prefer to see Berkshire shares sell in a fairly narrow range around intrinsic value, neither wishing them to sell at an unwanted, high, unwarranted high price. It's no fun having owners who are disappointed with their purchases, nor one too low. And Buffett's doing something not really unreasonable, you know, something every skilled salesman does. He's managing expectations. Um, His own performance compared to the S&P 500. Buffett's own performance is usually compared to the S&P 500. And what better way to win that game than by putting a floor under the Berkshire price with the promise of share buybacks and then putting a ceiling on the stock by promoting index investing. The real secret is, and this goes back to 2013, by the way, Rather than tell investors to buy Berkshire at any price, he tells people to invest passively through an index, which leads to the very market inefficiencies that he has become known for profiting from. Now, which brings us to the second story, which was this, which was the interview that David Winters of Wintergreen Fund recently gave with uh, Connie Mack on WealthTrack. It was a great interview, by the way, and uh, in it. Um, Winters has some, David Winters has some, some really interesting ideas to share. But anyways, the interview begins with the, uh, with the premise, again, uh, well, in this case, it's that David Winters brings up the fact that in 2013, that would be the first occasion on which Warren Buffett had given the advice that investors should invest in low-cost S&P 500 index funds. Anyway, so here's, what, here's the quote. This is coming from one of the greatest active investors of all time. And and he's been recommending it to his family, to his friends, and anybody, basically anyone who will listen to his advice. Now, from okay, so this is from the 2013 shareholder letter. And um, it's the instructions he left in his will for his wife's bequest. My advice to the trustee... So here's here's the quote. My advice to the trustee could not be more simple. Put 10% of the cash in short-term government bonds and 90% in a very low-cost S&P 500 index fund. I suggest vanguards. I believe that the trust long-term results from this policy will be superior to those attained by most investors, whether it's pension funds, institutions, or individuals who employ high-fee managers. 
So according to Wall Street Journal, and I'm quoting Connie Mack here, according to the Wall Street Journal, in 2016, 82% of new retail investments coming through financial advisors, more than $400 billion, went into index funds and ETFs. And it appears that the lion's share has gone to Vanguard. Over the last three calendar years, Vanguard has received eight and a half times as eight and a half times as much money as the rest of the mutual fund industry's 4,000 plus other firms. $823 billion went to Vanguard versus $97 billion to its competitors. So that's a huge amount of money pouring into index funds. And that's really, this is David Winter's contention. And this isn't the first time he's talked about it, but it's probably the most prominent time because it's becoming something of a discussion. So according to estimates, Vanguard traders are putting as much as $2 billion a day into stocks in their index funds, a huge portion of which goes into the five stocks with the largest market value or capitalization. Five tech stocks, Apple, Alphabet, which is Google, Microsoft, Amazon.com, and Facebook, and which have dominated recently. And at one point, they were accounting for about 53% of the S&P 500's year-to-date gain. So that's the first contention. But really, the main contention, Winter's main argument, is that index funds, which he says were originally a great idea, a good idea, um, to John Bogle's credit, um, is that what people are concentrating on, what investors are concentrating on, what the industry is concentrating on, is that the fee looks low. Um, but what they're missing is that there's a fair amount of dilution that is happening as a result of executive compensation. So you can go through the filings and find out. But what basically, uh, dilution from executive compensation plans in 2015 came out at about 2.5% cost to the S&P 500. Um, in addition to that, he points out there's also an additional 1.6%, which is coming as a result of buybacks that are meant to offset the executive compensation plans. So that adds up to about 4.1%. Now, this came, how they came to this determination was that they were looking very closely at Coca-Cola at one point. Um, and you got to watch this whole interview because it's, it's great. I'm not doing it any justice. I just think if I pull out the highlights and talk about why this came about, like why did David Winters go about investigating what's happening at a lot of S&P 500 companies? It was started off with Coca-Cola. And they noticed that there were some different things, strange things that were happening in the relationship of the valued stock prices. So they started doing research. And with Coca-Cola, what they found was there, were, there was a plan that would effectively have diluted shareholders substantially. So they started looking at Coca-Cola and they thought, OK, well, if it's happening at Coca-Cola, maybe it's happening elsewhere. So so Winters says that, you know, they looked for um, some sort of computer program that could help them to go through the entire S&P 500. And that software doesn't exist. So they had to do it by hand. They went through every company in the S&P 500. They looked at all the 10Ks, the proxies, all their filings, the plans themselves. And they didn't know what they were going to find. And ultimately, what they found was that there was a 4.1% effective dilution in what they call look-through expenses in the S&P 500. So the whole idea that people have that investing in index funds is cheap is not true. According to David Winters, it's, it's, they're actually very expensive and the expenses are growing. They're ballooning. So that's something to really think about, isn't it? Index funds are not as cheap as they're being made out to be. It's not that there's something wrong with investing in index funds, but they're not all they're made out to be. There's, there's, um, 
considerations to be made regarding the costs. And um, there's a very good chance that investors are in for a lot more risk uh, by investing in index funds solely. And that investors should actually consider looking at active funds, especially um, active value investing funds. Um, and having said all that, I really, again, it's just something to think about, but you should actually watch the interview. And you can watch it. We will post links at the bottom of the, underneath the podcast, there'll be, uh, you know, I've posted the links so that you can go back and look at the uh, David Winters interview. Anyways, to move on, a couple of stocks that David Winters likes that fit into his criteria of what are great sort of value buys uh, in his estimation. One of them is British American Tobacco. Um, but the one that really stood out was uh, Birchcliffe, which is a Canadian natural gas company, which probably, which, you're, which you, you must be familiar with. Why David Winters likes it is that he says, uh, he's, here's what he says about Birchcliffe. Well, I'll give you one that's just ridiculous. This is David Winters. I mean, that we've owned forever. So we own a little company. It's not so little anymore, called Birchcliffe in Canada. And it's a natural gas company, but we believe it trades at about 35 cents on the dollar. And the thing that's neat about it is the man who runs it, Mr. Tomkin, he has all of his own money in it. He's built a company. He's an honest, hardworking fellow, smart. And then the largest shareholder is a guy named Seymour Schulich we're all familiar with, who's also a brilliant guy who's bootstrapped himself. So you're aligned with people who have all of their own money tied up, who own something that's very undervalued, who've built it, and yet, and they get it. So we think there's a number of securities around the world, and they're just so mispriced. And so Birchcliffe is a company that he happens to like. Maybe it's a company worth looking at more closely, if you haven't already. Anyways, again, as I said, watch the whole interview. It's very interesting. David Winters is always a pleasure to listen to. He's an extremely bright guy. He's got some great ideas about investing, and he's got a great track record. Last but not least, just to uh, bring things uh, full circle. Now, this is in context of the sheer amount of money that's been pouring into index funds, but basically uh, Goldman Sachs warns of a valuation air pocket in the technology stocks. Basically, here we go. Bank of America found that the tech sector is now the most overweight it has ever been, surpassing even the record clustering into tech during the dot-com bubble. Goldman issued a report looking at the outside, Goldman Sachs issued a report looking at the outsized influence of the five tech stocks in question, which it dubs, or which commonly has been referred to as the FANG stocks, but Goldman dubs F-A-A-M-G, FAMG, if you like, if you will, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, which have collectively added a total of $600 billion of market capitalization this year, or the equivalent GDP of Hong Kong and South Africa combined. This is also the group of names which virtually every brand name hedge fund has purchased in the first quarter based on 13F filings. Warren Buffett uh, has amassed a fairly sizable stake in Apple. So coming back, just uh, circling back now, I want to uh, come back to where, back to David Winner's comment that he makes is, is, is here. We've talked a lot. Of, well, what happens is that the executive compensation goes up. The buybacks have gone up to offset it. So it doesn't hurt the reported earnings quite as much, but we're all for management getting, and we're all for management getting paid. We believe this should be totally transparent. It's created a distortion in the market that people are basic, basically all flocking to index ones, and they don't understand that they're expensive. And we, and when, and then we believe they're quite risky because of the way the market weight works of index funds. What goes up has to be purchased in greater and greater size because they have convinced everybody through all this extensive advertising that we don't believe entirely shows the true cost of that, of this, that massive money flows in every day. It has to be, and it has to be put to weight in the market weight. So what do they buy? They buy these 10 securities, all 
And full disclosure, we own Alphabet for years. These securities just keep going up and up. Every time, in my experience, as an investor, that something becomes a momentum investment and people forget about the underlying fundamentals or they put it aside, here the fundamentals are less and less even considered because part of the mantra of the index funds is don't think about fundamentals, just buy the index. So there are a couple elements of this. Now, fans of index funds also stress the fact that the performance of index funds has been better than most active managers. So 95% of active managers underperformed their benchmark indexes over the last 15 years. What's the defense for active managers given that record, that track record? And Winters responds, well, there are a couple of elements of this is that everybody's looking at it today. And since 2010, after the financial crisis and basically zero interest rates, this phenomenon of index funds became the dominant force on Wall Street. And it's become this magnet for capital all over the world. So people are looking. If you look at it, of course, it looks as if the active managers don't look as good because for the last six and a half, seven years, that's what's worked. The second element is that active managers have been pushed away from really being active. And if you look at this statistic called R-squared, so many active managers are really index fund-like or they're mimicking the index because they've got to in order to keep up with the performance that they're under pressure to perform. And Winters continues, we're not trying to do that. So at times we underperform, which is part of life. And so far this year we're outperforming. But if you look at anybody who's really rich, they did it by owning a business or a series of business. They didn't do it by being average. And because of these fees, the expenses, these costs that are not well disclosed, we don't think that the returns on the index funds going forward are going to be nearly as good. I can't prove it, but I think that active management and that uh, the other element that other people don't talk about this, because in everybody's in the 10 stocks, they're not looking at all these other stocks. They're not looking at the fundamental values anymore. Some people are. We can find securities that trade at 35 cents on the dollar, and there's nothing wrong with them. And it's because people aren't focused. Also, no one's holding management to task. Anyways, the point of the point of all this is just simply that index funds are possibly causing a distortion. It's something to look at. It's something to think about. And that's basically what I wanted to share with you on this podcast. So it's something to think about. I'm not saying, I'm certainly not saying that index funds aren't a good idea. I don't think winners are saying they're not a good idea. I think what winners is actually saying is be careful. Uh, actually, you know, notwithstanding all of that, it's incredible that that Warren Buffett might actually be responsible for the boom in indexing. And he might actually be responsible for the sheer amount of money that is going, that is favoring Vanguard. Uh, it's incredible to think about, actually, truly. I'll leave you with this parting thought. But anyways, as a parting thought, Robert Burugerdi of Goldman Sachs, writes that while FANG has dominated investor focus, the nature of the acronym has expanded more broadly to encompass mega cap tech. Indeed, the bigger story, in our view, is FAAMG. This is Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, a group of five stocks which have been the key drivers of both the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ returns year-to-date. Now, this outperformance, driven by secular growth and the death of the reflation narrative, has created positioning extremes factor crowding and difficult to decipher risk narratives. For example, FAAMGs or FAMGs realized volatility is now below that of staples and utilities. It sounds as if Goldman's Robert Burgerity is essentially saying, this sounds very similar, maybe not exactly uh, because he's talking about volatility, but the, the positioning extremes, factor crowding, it sounds as though Burgerity is actually pointing to the fact that there's a fair bit of risk as a result of the amount of 
money that's pouring into index funds. Anyhow, thank you very much for joining us for this podcast. And this was our first. It's not our last. We'll be back next week to continue this discussion. And it might, it's not always going to be about the markets or some analysis about the market or stocks. Sometimes we're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about business building ideas. We're going to interview thought leaders. We're going to try to interview as many people as we can, get them on as guests on the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast feed. And um, this is Pierre Daly, Managing Editor of AdvisorAnalyst.com. Thanks so much for joining us.